Welcome to the Boosted Volunteer Podcast. We share the stories of dedicated Booster Club volunteers and the tools and strategies they use to run successful booster clubs. We also have sought out experts on fundraising, volunteer management, and running nonprofits to share best practices. Hosted by Robin Eisler and Evan Eisler, you won't want to miss these great episodes that will help you run your booster club like a champ. Welcome to the Boosted Volunteer. Today, we are glad to have our guests, Charlie Spiegel, Andrew Hoskins, and Luke Weber with Pepware, a merchandise company. And we're going to talk a little bit today about logo wear and merchandise, some best practices, and uh, how you can easily manage these things in your booster club. So, Charlie, we're happy to have you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, Absolutely. So every booster club needs spirit wear and spirit wear is all over the map. You can buy it anywhere. You can buy it from local people or online or all sorts of places. Tell us a little bit about your company and what you guys do. Um, and and kind of, Charlie, I know you specifically do the spirit wear for your booster club. So uh, give us a little background on that. I'll be happy to do that. Thank you again for having us. I am with Lone Star Football Booster Club in Frisco, Texas. Not only do I do the merchandise for our Booster Club, I am also a happy member of Booster Hub ourselves as well. With that being said, I'm in the business. Obviously, I work for Pepware. My particular role that I do is I manage our state high school association championship events. We have five of those around the country, including UIL. So when your high school makes the state championship of any of the activities, sports, academics, or music, we are going to be present to sell that merchandise on site. In addition, I also oversee what we call our pep reps. So our pep reps individuals that manage the events on site for us, and those parents, uh, students, athletes, so on and so forth. We have a team that decides what to bring to those locations, what type of merchandise, T-shirts, hats, visors, all the above. And then we have a whole nother division, which is why we have Andrew and a little bit of Luke here on what we call our custom sales. And so I will let Andrew explain what he does and what his team does. And then a few minutes for Luke to explain what his new role is with Pepware as well. Andrew? Yeah, so I lead the custom sales team, and it is exactly what it sounds like whenever someone needs custom apparel done, whether it's screen printing or embroidery or patches or promotional products or DTF or whatever, we handle all of that. So all booster clubs go through me and my team, and we get things designed the way that you guys need them and make sure that everyone is pleased with what they receive. And Luke, if you want to kind of share a little bit about what you do and how your department or what your role is and how that can feed into as well. Yeah, so I deal with all of the e-commerce stuff that Pepper does. So that can be for clients that we have different contracts with, larger organizations around the country, or also groups like booster clubs, school organizations that want to do, you know, a merchandise offering, but they also want the flexibility and the ease of ordering online. So all of that kind of falls into my role. Great. Awesome. 
Well, thank you guys for joining us today. It's it's really exciting to have a team that's got the experience and knowledge that y'all have to share some of that with us today. Let's start at like square one. Like I'm a booster club president. I've just taken over. I know when I took over my booster club, there was this horrible closet. And in the closet was all the spirit wear that had been ordered for the past 15 years and didn't sell. And so every time we had an event, they would say, go to the closet and pull it out. We're going to sell this as vintage. And of course, no one wanted the 2012 regional champion t-shirt. <laughs> and, and I used to look at all those shirts and see money. And I thought, oh my gosh, they, we wasted all this money on these shirts. So tell us where to start. What's square one? I would say square one is it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, <laughs> Good. Yeah, there are lots of companies out there. We happen to be one of them that can make that process much easier and much more organized and efficient for you guys. So I think probably square one is looking at custom online stores for your booster organization and trimming it down to offering a few options like a t-shirt and a long sleeve t-shirt and a hoodie and maybe a jacket and things like that that you think are going to sell really well and let us handle order taking and payment fulfillment and all that stuff. And we can ship directly to people's houses. So it doesn't have to go through the booster organization and we can just make that a lot easier on everyone involved. There's obviously like a couple of routes here. So you can do the exactly what you said, sort of a store that's provided by a third-party company, such as Pepware, and the organization just kind of turns it over to you. They put their logo on it. They're good to go. We still have a lot of booster clubs that have their buddy who's in the t-shirt business locally in town. Can you give us some of like the pros and cons of the two so the users can understand the differences? I think the clear pro on the online options is the ease of use for everyone. You can just hop online whenever you would like and place your order and get it sent straight to your house. You, there's no longer a need to set up a merch closet or a merch table with hours of when things are open. It can just happen naturally. The con to that is it is more expensive. So the pro of doing it yourself, if you just place a true custom order, is the cost of everything will come down. And so then maybe the margins for the booster club are higher if you go that route, but also we offer fundraising options online to where the booster club would get 15% of the profits or whatever percentage you want. So if the booster club wants to make 20 or 25% off each purchase, we can also offer things like that as well. So it's really, we see this a lot in booster clubs. It's basically, if you've got a volunteer who wants to put in the time and customize the order, get it all set, drive around town, go pick up the 10 boxes, spread them out on the table, count them, do all that. You can make higher margins, but then you you might run into the, the closet situation again, right? Where you've got the closet full of unsold merchandise. And then that would obviously bring down those margins too. So, so something to look at there. I like to kind of talk about that. So Lone Star used to do kind of that style before where we would order what we think would sell, what we sizes that we thought would sell. And then we would have, unfortunately, a whole bunch of product left over, similar to what you're saying. Not because I am in the business, but we went to the approach of, we didn't want to have all the extra merchandise laying around. And then 
we've already paid for it and we're trying to resell it. So we went to the store concept and now in parents are purchasing exactly what they want, sizes they exactly want. We actually have it bagged to those uh, individuals. They could buy one item or eight items and they're put together. And then we have chosen to do two different ways. We have had a, a meeting where they were able to pick those items up with their packaging are ready to go. And then we've also had the opportunity where we've mailed it directly to their homes. So they received it directly to their house. So we've done it both ways. And we felt at Lone Star High School that it was best to do it the way we're discussing with working with a company that's in the business that really does it soup to nuts from the start to the finish, not just a piece or two of the fulfillment. I know we kind of, we did a hybrid Charlie, kind of like you mentioned, we actually did most of our logo wear online through a, you know, through a company. And then we got a little percentage off of that. We did do one shirt a year. There was a fundraiser for a third party organization. And for that particular piece, I would go out and do that locally just because it was a fundraiser and we were trying to get a little more margins on it. But boy, it was even just a hundred shirts. It was a lot of work. <laughs> it was a lot of work and, and, yeah. you know. Yeah, the fulfillment. And then, of course, one of the things our club had done is we had done that as a buy at the event way before. And that was where we were getting tons of leftovers because they were ordering, you know, 150, 200 shirts. And we were only selling what boiled down to about 100. So every year we were having an extra 50 or 100 of those shirts from that fundraiser. And so we switched to order ahead of time. And then I found a local supplier who was willing to give us a pretty tight window. It was about five working days where he would turn the order for us. And we were we managed to get that down to where we didn't have any excess. So we were able to kind of maximize it from a fundraising perspective since it was trying to raise money for a third party organization, but it took a tremendous amount of time to do that. Generally, like if they're doing it themselves versus doing it through a company, what kind of margins I know Andrew, you had touched on, you guys have, you can do 15% or the club can go all the way up to 25%. What would they typically do if they were kind of doing it on their own versus doing it with a company? It all honestly depends on the, the prices they set on there. You know, if, if we sold you a t-shirt for $10, it's up to the booster club on, do they want to sell it for 12 or 15 or 20 or 25? So it, that question is really hard to answer. Yeah, get it, get it. No, that's a great, I guess I should have maybe phrased it on the cost side, but totally get that, that it's it's up to the booster club to decide what kind of margins they went. I know you guys had touched briefly on like a merchandise table at an event and there's some impulse buying there. Is there a way to do a little bit of a hybrid model for those events where you have some impulse buyings, like an in-person event, a season kickoff, a fundraiser? where maybe you could have some samples of the items and then the users could just place their order right there and it'd be delivered to them. Any suggestions on how to do that? Uh, well, so how we used to do it when we were doing it the old way or not a custom store way is that we whatever leftover product we had, we would try to resell it at the next year's event, right? To try to at least unload that. Maybe that was at a discounted price. We certainly can bring... Uh, I'll let the custom guys over here in the store, but we certainly could bring in samples of the actual product so people could at least see the and touch the product before they 
purchased online. And certainly we can mock up all the different products that we would be selling so they, they could see exactly what it would look like. I think that answers that part of that question. But nowadays, how everybody's shopping online and all the different true department stores, it's kind of what you see online, even Amazon, right? It's kind right. of what you see online and you purchase it. All of those items that you would have online would have a description. You have a feel of, not a feel physically, but you can see that what type of material it is so that you kind of know, maybe I want to do a size up or a size down or whatever that may look like based on how you maybe wash the item and if it shrinks or doesn't shrink, right? Or if it's dry fit and it doesn't shrink. So I believe, I don't think I believe this is the way that most booster clubs should probably go. It protects them so they don't have any extra inventory. It's great to kind of sell or give away or do whatever uh, you want the year after, but if you already bought it, you might lose that revenue or dollar amounts regardless. So I do believe in the store opportunity, custom sales, or even online custom stores as well. So you guys do merchandise all the time, you know, you're in and out of it. What are some of your favorite brands or items? Like anything that you just, I love that style, that fit, that item, those sell well, especially Charlie, you at the booster club level, you've been doing this a while. Yeah. So obviously 2020 COVID kind of has affected some of the brands out there and who has it on the shelves, where you can get it. Can you get it locally here in Texas, which is a helpful. Obviously, if you're doing a store and you give yourself enough turnaround time, you can get it at all the different companies with their warehouses around the country. Um, obviously, that Gildan shirt is the cheapest and is what probably everybody uses. But there's obviously comfort colors. There's all the different other brands that everybody is liking. Uh, the great thing about, I believe, again, using a company that's in the business, that's doing it every day, that's doing millions of dollars every day. At the end of the day, it's really what the customer wants and what's available. You know, hats, bucket hats, visors. It's not so much the brands, but it's the type of product that someone might want. You know, is it the hoodies? Is it t-shirts? Depending on the, the booster club and what sport and what really what season they're looking at, I think really pushes the decision on what products may or may not be used. I was always shocked. We were a volleyball booster club and our coach just happened to like hats. And so every season we would do a unique hat and you know, we're an indoor sport <laughs> and we would sell out of those hats, you know, some kind of trucker baseball cap or something just with a little bit different design every year. It always just cracked me up just that one thing. And it was like a, you know, there were only 30 of them. So you, there were, you know, it was a, a unique amount or small amount and we'd sell every single one of them. It always just amazed me. <laughs> and, and I think with that being said too, not everybody is as, has all the different type of, I don't want to say tools, but we screen print, we embroider, we can get patches and put those on the hats. There's different technology out there, I should say. We are now getting really into DTF direct to film where we can do smaller amount of uh, items. We can do big amount of items. We can obviously screen print. There's different material and processes that we can do because we are doing it for a lot of different organizations out there as well. And I don't know if uh, Luke or Andrew want to add to that, Luke. Yeah. So just like Charlie said, one of our biggest 
areas where we would excel over a local printer, like you talked about earlier and we touched on, is a company like Pepware just has so many more tools at its disposal to help an organization like a booster plug or really small organization all the way up to huge national brands that we work with. You know, we want to tailor solutions to all of those categories. And our push is to continue investing in those technologies and getting those processes to where you know, we lower our order minimums and pretty much get an let offering that works for everybody. Luke, let me ask you, I know Charlie mentioned some terms. Can you explain screen print versus DTF versus embroidery? What are those? How do they work? Why are they a little bit different? What's cost and time frame on those? Sure. So screen printing is, you know, the tried and true way of creating a t-shirt, printing on a t-shirt. So that's where you're taking either plastisol or water-based inks, burning screens, putting those on a machine and doing those color by color. And then they get dried and then they're pretty much done. With DTF technology that we've been, you know, investing a lot of time and resources into recently, that process is more of a digital printing technology where you're putting ink onto film and then putting an underbase on it. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds, I like to think, between a screen print and just strictly digital printing. So that allows you to have as many colors as you want in your designs. It pretty much makes it to where there's no added costs associated for printing small quantities. And the turnaround time on that is, is pretty low as well. So right now, I think our cutoff between something being printed with DTF and something being printed with the typical screen printing process is about 12 garments, but you can have designs that carry over between those two technologies and you're going to get almost the exact same thing. So it really gives us that flexibility. And then to have the, the agile embroidery, I apologize. Embroidery is just like it sounds where you can embroider t-shirts or sweatshirts or hats or anything. And it's literally sewed onto those garments compared to a screen print that's screen printed as well. And on the DTF, I think that technology's come a long way. I ordered some shirts a couple of years ago with it and it was kind of washed out and that kind of thing. So Luke, you mentioned you've got newer technologies now that kind of get those kind of deeper, richer screen print colors. For sure. So yeah, DTF printing has really actually just hit the scene. So really in the past years when those machines have come out and hit the market, uh, but like you're talking about, the predecessor to that was, and I know there's a lot of acronyms to throw around, but that would have been DTG, which is direct to garment printing, strictly digital printing on a machine, straight onto the t-shirt. So this is kind of the marriage of what I like to think is DTG and screen printing in this new DTF process to get those richer colors and the ability to do pretty much any design with a thinner, longer lasting quality that you'd more expect out of a screen print. And the level of detail on DTF is much, much higher than the level of screen print. So DTF can do photorealistic images. So if you wanted to just actually take someone's picture and put it on a t-shirt, you can do that with DTF. And the DTG, 
uh, really only went on cotton. And it, unless you treated it correctly, it would not adhere correctly, which is probably what you experienced. And that was that technology several years ago that maybe people were skipping steps or or not doing it correctly, which is why that maybe wasn't correct for the garments that you purchased. That's great feedback. You know, it's all it's always those little things, right? When you're not in the industry and you're like, oh, it's DT something. Okay, yeah, this is the same thing. So that's what I love to do on these podcasts is kind of inform our listeners so that they can make good decisions on their their items. Okay, so do you guys have a trick for sizes? I have to ask, like, is there a way to kind of get it so you don't end up with like 150 XLs or double XLs and no mediums or like, is there an industry trick on sizes? I'm going to add to that. I do believe in doing stores and allowing the individuals to pick the size that they want instead of the booster clubs that are all doing the committees that are doing this as a volunteer basis, you know, going into a room and deciding what do I, what do I purchase? Do I purchase bigger sizes and hope that everybody can kind of fit into that size and you get what you get. So I am a believer in that to allow the individuals to know what they purchase on a daily basis for their own closet and their own homes. And so they're going to pretty much know what the, what the size that they want. Well, and to add on to that, at the 800 events we go to every year and sell products on site for our numerous clients, we're able to leverage decades of data, 10 plus years in some instances of the size breakdowns that we've sold at those events. And we do a very good job of bringing the right stuff to the right event, but we're still never, or very rarely, 100% on. We sold everything that we brought, and in most cases where we even do that, we're taking orders for stuff that go online and then get fulfilled after those events to make all of that happen. So if you don't have that data, it would be really tough to make a decision for your organization on how much to bring to a certain event you know, the first or even you know, second, third, fourth time you're going to do that. So I guess the key is then the data. If you've got data from previous events or previous years, you can look and see what you've sold. That's one of the yes. things. You can't guess then, right? That's the answer. <laughs> you can guess in your first year, but then you're using the data to fine tune what you're going to do in the future. You're just filling that closet, Charlie. If you're guessing, you're just going to fill that closet up. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. And you only can sell so much vintage booster club stuff. So, we've tried. I, I will say something that can help with that vintage thing is being careful of what you do and do not put dates on. Great idea. Very good tip. Yeah, just don't put the year on it, right? Then you've got a great, great. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Any resources or anything that you guys use? Is there any industry websites or best practices, things that you might recommend just for somebody who's just starting out and trying to figure out which way they want to go? The options in custom apparel are endless and very overwhelming. So I think one of the most user-friendly places to start would probably be a website called companycasuals.com. And that lets you see a whole bunch of blank apparel that is out there. And then you can sort by garment types or materials or fabric weight or 
whatever to just kind of get you aware of what you could do. What I want to say is you can't just Google and say, let me go find XYZ, right? Because not every product is typically out there in the world that a lot of companies like ourselves can can get, but there's a lot and there's a lot of similarities of products, but not everybody should think, oh, just because I saw it on some website that every uh, print shop or, or print organization can physically get those items. This, I think that's important to say as well, too. There are certain brands that are just not out there. Might just be a good process thing to, the user needs to decide how they want to do it first, then connect with the vendor and then decide the products that if you start with yes. product, you might get detoured along the way, right? If you start with the product, that's a really good suggestion. And that's the other thing is too, is booster clubs or individuals who have a really good idea of what they want helps the process, I believe, a lot easier than someone saying, oh, I want a t-shirt and I want it in yellow. Okay, that's great. You know, yeah. what's your price point? What type of material? Like we will do our homework for the individuals, but it's a lot better when the booster clubs or the individuals looking to purchase have a little bit of direction because like Andrew said, it's endless. And when you have endless opportunities, the start to finish can become not a start or, or might not finish ever, right? And then we're spinning our wheels and we want to be as efficient and get to the, the product into the hands as fast as we can, but in a, in a in the right process, if that makes sense. I learned that with our dig pink t-shirt, right? I'd go to the vendor and say, I need a pink t-shirt and, and just thinking kind of dumbly that there's probably one or two options. And then he would hand me this list of pink and one year we had like a fuchsia pink that everybody hated. <laughs> I learned I learned that everybody's definition of pink is very different. So we yes. <laughs> we had to make sure that our prototype that we were putting online to sell was a similar shade of pink to what the actual shirt that we were going to be producing. It was kind of a, a funny joke there. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I really appreciate you guys taking time today to share some of your knowledge with us and, and all of that, especially for our listeners. A lot of our Booster Club folks are either just picking up what people did before them or they're trying to decide on a new path. So giving them some ideas on how to do that is awesome. Quick question. I always like to tie this back. What activities did y'all do in, in school and any sports or fine arts activities in your backgrounds? Yeah, I could start. I'm originally from Connecticut. I played uh, baseball, soccer, and a little bit of football in my days back in my time. So that's what I did. I was in the marching band and the concert bands. I was a percussionist and went to the University of North Texas for music and was a high school band director for 10 years before I came into sales. Yeah, I uh, played all kinds of different sports growing up. By the time I got to high school, though, I was pretty focused on playing golf. And then was also really big in uh, FFA, Future Farmers of America. So did a lot of stuff with that group. Love it. I love asking that question, one, because it ties back into our booster clubs, but two, you always learn a little bit more about people by the activities that they did and knowing their background a little bit. Again, appreciate you guys so much. We'll uh, we'll definitely let our listeners know to check out pepware.com. We appreciate your, your time and sharing the knowledge. And uh, we hope to be working with you in the future. 
Absolutely. And I've got one other plug, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as Booster Hub works with Booster Clubs, we are an organization that, uh, it, like I said, we're based here in Cedar Hill, Texas. We cover almost the whole entire country, but just to focus on the folks that are in Texas or in Booster Hub in general, we hire a bunch of different pep reps. And, and those pep reps are, like I said, the ones that run or oversee our events that we cover outside of the custom sales. And it, is, it allows the booster clubs to be able to make some extra money potentially by working those events, having some of their parents or kids work at those events. So that is something, if you guys are interested, feel free to give me or give us a call or go to our website and fill out some information that way. I think that would be the easiest. And we can always help separate from printing your product, but also helping to put money in your pockets to help your booster club in the long run as well, too. Love it. So you guys could use workers or, or volunteers to help at some of your events and then donate back to the clubs and that type of thing. So we, we do that. Absolutely. Yes. But then also we hire individuals. So the way I look at it is, yes, uh, Charlie Spiegel might be part of Lone Star High School Booster Club. But if I wanted to be the pep rep, and I go to an event and each events make different dollars for those pep reps. It could be as much as a few thousand dollars. So I'm the one or have a team of people working with me. I can still put a few hundred dollars back in that booster club or maybe half, you know, I keep half and the booster club gets half. It just depends on the hours. Now we also do where we will pay a booster club organization some dollars back to uh, for those individuals that volunteer their time to work our events. And those events could be selling, helping to restock the store, as I mentioned, make sure that the product's on the uh, shelves for the parents to purchase on-site, wherever that event may be. We also do tons of marching band events. We're involved in pretty much all of the UIL region and area events, and obviously an event as well too. And I know that Booster Hub not only works with marching band booster clubs, all different types of sports, all different type of activities. And um, we're in all of those as Pepware as well too right now. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much and have a terrific day. The Boosted Volunteer is brought to you by Booster Hub. To find out more about Booster Hub and how our app can help you improve communications, increase engagement, raise more money, and manage your Booster Club responsibly, visit www.boosterhub.com. And then make sure to search for Booster Club Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Booster Hub, thanks for listening.